scandal in Ukraine. No, not that one. The Frogwares one. Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing partner of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we have a story that was talked about a little bit last week and that I actually gave comments to to Game Daily Biz, but that I didn't discuss last week, one, because I had already done six videos last week, but also because um, I wanted to let it percolate a little bit more. I wanted to see if anything developed out of it because it was an unusual contract situation. So let's take a look at that right now. This particular note was received from a company called Frogwares, which if you're not familiar with it is what I would describe as kind of a double-A game studio. They make kind of traditional adventure games uh, with detective elements. They made the Sherlock series, the modern Sherlock series. I think they just released a uh, Cthulhu-based game, an HP Lovecraft-based game called The Sinking City. Uh, And if you like that kind of slow-moving, plot-developing, talking to characters, solving mysteries, uh, then they have games that that you might otherwise enjoy. And I I do like them. Uh, They actually remind me a little bit in terms of their position of uh, spiders, which you may have heard me talk about on Two Hogs Are Better Than One over the weekend that we put up there. It's two hours of me talking about games and, and game news with my video game developer brother. But I said that I was really enjoying Greedfall, which is a game by another AA developer called Spiders, uh, and Frogwares I kind of put in that same bucket, that they have that kind of uh, ability to put out some really good stuff at a limited budget. Uh, But unfortunately, that ability has been squashed a little bit. So let's take a look at their note here. They say, hello, this letter is addressed to everyone who is interested in the video game industry, which I suspect if you're watching virtual legality, then you are, and wants to take a look at what's happening behind the curtain. We are Frogwares, the developer of the Sherlock Holmes video games and The Sinking City. We make detective games because it's our passion and because it allows us to live off of it. But today, that is under threat. Some of our games are being removed from Sony's and Microsoft's storefronts and even maybe from Steam. This list includes our titles like Sherlock Holmes Crimes and Punishments, The Testament of Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Holmes vs. Jack the Ripper, and Mag Runner Dark Pulse. One of those is not like the other, but fair enough. Why? Because Focus Home Interactive, the licensee, or publisher, that was in charge of commercializing these games on these platforms refuses to transfer the title IDs to us, the creators and IP owners of those titles, even though our publishing and distribution agreement has ended. Now, let's take a step back. We're going to also look at the Game Daily Biz article that I commented on uh, to get a little bit more context about what I had to say to those folks when they asked their questions of me. But just to talk about this relationship a little bit. So Frogwares creates an intellectual property, right? They put their resources into it. They make the art, they make the script, they record the dialogue, they program the game. And then this game exists. It's Sherlock Holmes Crimes and Punishments, and it's their intellectual property. Now, let's just pretend that there are no other agreements at that point in time, although these things probably are contemporaneous to some extent. They then say, all right, we want to get this thing on game stores. We maybe want to market it. In the old days, we maybe want to have discs pressed and put out at Walmart or GameStop or elsewhere. That really isn't a thing on the PC side. And I don't know whether there were physical copies of these games on the PlayStation and Xbox side. I actually have no idea. But let's say that there were. Then you take your intellectual property that you own and you sign a contract with someone. They call them the licensee because that's what they are. There are two terms that are used in a license. There's the licensor, that is the owner of the intellectual property that license it out. And there's the licensee that doesn't own the intellectual property, but is receiving certain rights to it, 
We've talked about copyright and other intellectual property rights in virtual legality in the past. But basically, the owner has all rights to control distribution, to control reproduction, to control sale of the intellectual property that they created. That's what you would expect. But they can take those rights and they can license them out to a publisher. They can say, all right, publisher, we need your help. So we're going to give you the rights to our intellectual property to do certain things. It'll be limited to certain things. You can't just go willy-nilly and sell it and cut us out of the loop. So we're going to give you our intellectual property so you can press those discs and make sure that they get out to GameStop or Best Buy or wherever. So that you can work through the process of getting this game approved for sale on the Sony store, on the Microsoft store, on Nintendo, uh, if it's at all there, through Valve and Steam, anywhere else that this game might be sold digitally. But that process actually does take time, does take labor. As you might have heard in stories in the past, there are certification processes. There is just a general discussion with how things are going to go, how things are going to be advertised on the Microsoft storefront, on the Sony storefront. And so the publisher helps take this off of your plate a little bit. And overall, that's a good thing. You're a video game developer. Your skill set is in making art and scripts and coding a video game, not necessarily in selling it or working with Sony and Microsoft to make sure that it can get up on the storefront. However, as part of that license, you're going to have a continuing royalty obligation. That's a, a continuing payment for when you sell a unit. It's going to go a portion of it is to the publisher because the publisher has done some work for you. And it might even be organized differently. No agreement is the same. And in fact, every publisher is going to have different forms of agreement that they want to use, but even those are going to be negotiated depending on the leverage that the developer has in respect to those conversations with the publisher. Here, what happened is that Frogwares essentially terminated their agreement, probably let it lapse. So every agreement is going to have a term. It's going to say it's for three years long and they let it lapse and the agreement goes away. And apparently what has been the norm for them is that if they let an agreement lapse with Focus Home uh, for specific titles, then Focus Home gives them back what they call here, what they refer to as their content ID or title ID, which for purposes of this conversation is very likely the way that their game, their intellectual property, is recorded in the databases and is approved for distribution on the Sony system, on the Microsoft system, on the Steam system, that you get these naming labels, content ID and title ID, that are attached to your piece of code, your software. And that is how Sony and Microsoft and everyone else knows to give permission to you to sell it, that they take their cut, and that it's all recorded in that fashion. Here, here's what happened. They say, because according to their official statement, Focus Home Interactive, sent to us only last week, Focus has put in place a policy in accordance with which they will not transfer any title, the content ID or title ID, belonging to any developer which has removed all of their games from the Focus catalog. A policy that is not in any of our previous or existing contracts with Focus and that has never been applied to us in the past. Now, again, I want to take a step back there because this is an interesting question, and this is the question that was asked to me on my Twitter, on my social media, from the Game Daily Biz folks, and that's, you know, can a party unilaterally amend a contract? And the answer to that is no. As you would expect, if you've signed a contract, it's a binding agreement between two parties. Generally speaking, one party can't just change it on its own. There are exceptions to that. You can have policies and procedures that are essentially incorporated by reference and that one party or another can change at their discretion. Usually the, the place that you see this in is with respect to privacy policies, uh, right? If you are looking at terms and conditions for a software license that you enter into as an end user for a video game that you've purchased, it'll say something along the lines of, uh, we will keep and store your data and use it for the purposes described in the privacy policy, which you can find at 
Ubisoft slash privacy policy or what have you. And in that privacy policy, it will actually say, you know, we can amend this at our discretion because we need to be reflective of the law and for other reasons that you might not care about. Uh, and if we amend it, we'll put a notice up in some fashion that we will describe. And then if you continue to use the software, you will have a, a agreed to the changes in that policy. And that's used not just on privacy policies, that's used in a lot of places where you can say, uh, you could have a reference in the Focus Home Publishing Agreement that says, uh, here's what will happen on termination, here's what we will return to you and what we won't, uh, as described in the termination policy that we keep on our website or that we otherwise make available to you. And that policy could say that we could amend it at our discretion. That's one possibility that helps you to arrive at a scenario like this where Focus changes the deal after Frogwares thought the deal was as it was. I think it more likely that in this case, the agreement that Frogwares has with Focus Home Interactive doesn't actually say that at the conclusion of their agreement, Focus Home has to turn over the content ID or title ID to the application that they have otherwise used their own resources, Focus's resources, to get approved at Microsoft or Sony or wherever. That the agreement actually doesn't say that. However, it has been Focus's policy to return those things. Uh, I say that because the way this is treated, it's unlikely that Focus's lawyers looked at their agreement and said, we're not allowed to do this, but we're just going to assert it. Uh, that's, that's an unlikely scenario, and that actually requires bad faith, and that can get you in a lot of trouble. It has happened before. There are bad faith actors. Focus Home Interactive has been in the business long enough. I suspect it is not a scenario where they have just decided to flout the contract language that they have with Frogwares and just hold on to things that they don't have the rights to. I think instead, it's very likely that it was essentially an act of comedy, uh, meaning that they, this is what they did for their developers when these agreements terminated in order to have goodwill amongst the development community. And they decided that if you're just going to whole hog remove your stuff completely from the Focus Home publishing program, then they didn't want to have any continuing maintenance obligations. They didn't want to have just burned those resources. They wanted to inflict a pain point on leaving their catalog entirely, and that is what they have done here. Frogwares continues to say it is, in fact, a pain point. They say, because of this policy, our games will be taken down from all storefronts. As it stands right now, the only game left is Sherlock Holmes Crimes and Punishment. It is possible that it will be taken down at the date of September 29th or earlier if nothing is done. The players will no longer be able to buy and play this game. We will also lose our wish lists on those store pages. That's a Steam reference. And as the creators and IP owners of all those games, we have no control and no say in this. The decision of Focus Home has left us voiceless. And again, that's the relationship, right? They own this IP. They lent it out. They licensed it out to Focus Home to get it published to get it approved through all these various mechanisms. Focus Home then becomes essentially the owner of that approval. And depending on what their contract says, and all of this is speculative because we're not actually looking at a contract. Frogwares didn't put it up, probably because it's under a confidentiality provision. Focus Home certainly isn't going to put it up. The only place we might actually see the contract language is if there were a lawsuit that wasn't settled, which is extraordinarily unlikely. So we're all speculating on this. But in that contract... They probably said Focus Home gets those rights to those title ID. They need to control it so that they have access to account passwords and they can move things around and have sales or whatever else that is that the publisher has been authorized to do. And when the agreement terminated, in all likelihood, based on this set of facts, there wasn't a provision in there that said that Focus Home actually had to turn it back over. And years of working with them had suggested to Frogwares that they would turn it over because they have 
in the past. And we're going to see that in a quote that they've said. They said, we've been unable to confirm that they can actually move the title over to their access on either the Sony or Microsoft store. And we already know that that'll be impossible for certain games on a previous gen and very costly for others. We're certainly not going to give up and we will pursue this through the appropriate channels, potentially a a litigation strategy. Uh, But they say, we have always been an independent studio. We worked with many licensees on the grounds of mutual interests and benefits, which is exactly how you have to work with them. But it's the first time in 20 years we've encountered such a situation. We are losing all our revenue attached to those games, some an unknown period of time and for other games forever. This new policy from Focus Home towards former contracted developers will land a serious blow to our studio threatening our future games and the people who develop them. Right now, we are in a tough situation and we are preparing ourselves for a significant loss. To those parties that can help us and have influence over the situation, feel free to contact us. They're looking for advice and support and potentially, you know, legal counsel. Um, But I think it's important what they say in that second to last paragraph because it's exactly the right thing to do. Even if their contract says nothing about what Focus Home has to do with their assets and whether they have to turn them over or not, it is clear that this is an action by Focus Home that should give future developers pause, right? If you've got a contract and it doesn't say anything about the title ID or content ID and Focus Home does this to a developer, you know, that isn't AAA, but has had a pretty long string of games that have apparently been lucrative enough for them to keep in business, that if Focus Home is willing to do that to a developer like that, then they might be able to do it to you. And at bare minimum, Frogwares wants to publicize here that this did happen to them and that people should be aware of it. And that's really one of the reasons why in the past, if Focus Home has given content IDs and title IDs over, even if an agreement hasn't required it, it was to avoid a scenario like this, where you've got negative publicity because a developer says, you just tried to destroy our company. And what should the next company that's considering signing a license up with you think about all this? And at bare minimum, we're going to publicize this situation because this isn't fair to us. Absolutely. But if you're going to inflict a pain point on us, we're going to try to inflict a pain point on you, a kind of mutually assured destruction. It's one of the reasons, and we talk about it a lot in virtual legality, that you don't see these scenarios develop even regardless of what the language is in a contract, because for the most part, everybody is on the same side of trying not to burn everyone's bridges, because everybody makes money when one party makes money in a licensee relationship. And if you've got this kind of scenario and Focus Home now is less attractive to what could otherwise be lucrative relationships of a licensed nature, then this wasn't a good idea, even if it seems to make sense in order to defend whatever resources they've put into having the Frogwares applications approved at Sony and Microsoft right now. Now, I was asked about this on Twitter. It's one of the reasons I'm doing this video. They say, any opinions on the Frogwares situation? I obviously do since I'm doing the video, but I did say at this time, I said a whole lot depends, as you heard me say earlier, on the exact language of the contract and or whether or not policies and procedures were incorporated by reference or could be altered unilaterally. So no, not without a lot more information. That has become one of the more popular responses to this whole issue. And it's one of the reasons I felt that I should talk about this a little bit more at length with Game Daily Biz and with you all on virtual legality. So let's take a look at that article and the answers that I gave uh, late last week on this question. And I think there are some interesting kind of uh, details that we can pull out of this. Uh, In this article from Game Daily Biz, which is called Frogwares Games Pulled from Storefronts Amid Dispute with Publisher, Focus Home Interactive, they say, the relationship between game developer and publisher can be a complicated one. Typically, the developer creates the playable product while the publisher helps get it in stores. Every agreement is difficult, but this can create questions about which party actually owns the intellectual property 
particularly as contracts expire and storefronts evolve. Ukraine-based indie dev Frogwares is discovering this firsthand, according to a statement published on its website today. And yes, I think one of the things that's very interesting about this is that we are in an evolving economy, right? We are in an evolving game-based economy where you see a shift towards digital and you see a lot of that kind of Wild West aspects of contract law that always happens when there is a kind of evolution or shift in what's been done in the past. I'm reminded, you may have heard me tell this story before in virtual legality. I'm reminded of those situations. If you have Netflix or if you're otherwise watching on a different streaming service and you watch TV shows from really the mid 90s to the mid 2000s and you watch those TV shows and you love them and you check them out and you see in maybe half of especially the early episodes that the music you remember scoring a specific scene is different. It's because the music licenses that were involved with getting that music broadcast on television never contemplated, in some cases, a DVD or even archival distribution method, but very definitely didn't contemplate a digital streaming method. And so the music license holders at that point were able to say, nope, you can't use that music in that scene unless you pay me more money than you've already paid me. And a lot of the times the TV producers uh, weren't necessarily related to uh, who was now selling it through the digital streaming service. The digital streaming service didn't want to go get that money. And you see different music scoring these things on a lot cheaper basis than what was originally in the original broadcast version. I'm always reminded of Scrubs, which is one of my favorite television shows of all time. And you have a lot of scenes, especially in early seasons, that don't have anything like the music that you remember from the scenes as they originally occurred. They clearly tried to get tracks that have maybe a similar beat structure or maybe a similar tone, but done by garage bands in Los Angeles or whatever else they could find. And yes, obviously the product is is harmed by that. But the point that I'm trying to make is that that was because the lawyers at the time couldn't contemplate the future in such a way that it would make sense uh, to even start to negotiate for streaming rights that didn't exist at the time and may not ever exist. Uh, and so if you're giving up something and you have to pay more money for a right that might not ever exist, it's a good way to get fired if you're outside or inside counsel. So you have these situations where you've got an evolving marketplace and very similar to this, you might have an agreement with Focus Home that has been their standard publishing agreement for however many years they've been doing this. And it doesn't fully contemplate handing over various types of application authorities because they've never needed to do that when they started out doing it. Now, obviously, we've been doing digital sales through the PlayStation Store and Xbox directly now for the the better part of two generations. And so you would hope that there would be at least something in their agreement that would say, hey, when this cancels, what happens to those IDs? And probably uh, probably it's silent on that point, but it might also say Focus Home just gets to keep them. And at that point, Focus Home has been distributing them in order to make their developers happy and just decided not to. Uh, I've got highlighted here what we just talked about, which is that Frogware says the change here is due to a change in Frogware's, uh, a change in Focus Home's policies and that that policy has not ever been applied to previous or existing contracts with Focus. And again, that's one of those situations where if your counsel or if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a video game developer, really dealing with contracts of any kind, it's one of the pieces of advice I give to clients, which is to say, you know, you can't take trust me as an answer to a negotiation if you can point to words in the contract that don't get you to where you want to go. In other words, one of the very common refrains that you hear from the other side of the table when you're negotiating a contract or when you're discussing a read-through is, okay, I'm reading through these various provisions, these various paragraphs and sections in the contract. I don't like X, Y, and Z. 
The other side will say, oh yeah, you know, those are boilerplate. We never enforce those. Don't worry about it. And the answer should always be, okay, well, if you never enforce them, that's great. That's, that's, that's music to my ears. Let's take them out because you're not going to use them anyway. Or in this particular case, you might have a situation that says, you know, I'm worried about what happens with my applications on termination. It doesn't appear to be covered here. And they say, oh yeah, don't worry about it. We have the rights to them, but we always give them back at the end of the contract. If it's not on the words on the page, that's going to be very hard to enforce and very likely going to be impossible to enforce if you sign the contract after those promises are given, because there will be a provision in the agreement that says the entire agreement is incorporated in the words of this contract. Every contract basically has that. So you can't take trust me as an answer. As my old boss at my old firm used to say, we're not in the trust me business. And so if I can give any piece of advice, which obviously isn't legal advice because we're not talking about your specific legal situation, please consult your legal counsel. But if I can give any piece of advice, it's don't just take somebody at their word as saying, oh, we never enforce this, or here's what happens when that happens. If it's important to you, if you are sensitive to it, have them remove the the superfluous provisions, have them add the language that you need to have added to the contract for you to feel good about what you're agreeing to. And don't let yourself get into a position that you just say, well, they've always done it this way in the past, even if you've worked with them for 10 years. Obviously, that's not always going to be the case. You do have trust after 10 years, and something like this can take you unawares. But you should always try to be cognizant of what is in the contract, what people's contract rights are, frankly, because companies change hands. We don't know what the focus home situation is. Maybe they have different management. Maybe they have a different contract lawyer in charge of how they're going to be dealing with this. And they looked at their books and they saw that they were wasting money on getting things approved that people would then rescind at the end of their contract. And they wanted to make sure that that didn't happen in the future and that this was actually their public stance and Frogwares was just the first victim of that change in stance. That can absolutely happen. And so assume that the other side is going to have completely different ownership. Assume that what's important to you should be written down in the contract. And yes, absolutely have a lawyer be looking through your contracts. If you're in video gaming and you are having a license go out of your intellectual property, that is your life's blood. Make sure that you have somebody with legal experience looking at that contract, making sure that they at least discuss the issues with you. That doesn't mean you're going to get everything that you want, especially if you're a little developer dealing with a large publisher. They're often going to get what they want, but you have to go in eyes wide open, understanding what your situation is in that contract so that you can better allocate your resources and so that you can be better able to uh, deal with the worst uh, when it happens. And it does appear that Frogwares was caught unawares on this particular point, and I never want to see that happen to anybody. And you see that reiterated in the paragraph that I've next highlighted highlighted in this Game Daily Biz article. In an email to Game Daily, a Frogwares representative said that Focus Home has, in the past, reverted game rights back to the developer upon contract expiration, So they expected the same thing to happen again with the most recent slate of games. We naturally expected to go through with the transfer of our games on these storefronts to us because our agreement didn't say otherwise, Frogwares told us. Our agreement didn't say otherwise. You'll note what they definitely don't say is that it said the opposite. There's nothing in the agreement, at least from these comments and from what they put on Twitter, that suggests that they're looking at a provision in their agreement that says they have to turn them over. And if that provision doesn't exist then they wind up having a significant problem in pursuing a litigation remedy and suing over this issue. So again, if it's important to you, if it's your intellectual property and you're a game developer, make sure you go through your contract. And yes, even on termination, which may be acrimonious, think about what the bad scenario is and try to have it covered in the contract. This just doesn't work out. 
We're going to let it terminate. We're going to let it expire. What happens to these very important pieces of our business model if and when that does happen? And make sure that you're either properly compensated for it up front or that you're getting those rights back or whatever it is that makes sense for you in your business model. I also highlighted a section here, which is just uh, me talking about the various things that you've already heard about in this video. I highly recommend checking out this article. It does have additional context, and I will link it in the description to this video. I also wanted to point out the very last thing that they mentioned here, which is that Frogware's most recent title, the HP Lovecraft inspired The Sinking City, was self-published earlier this year and not at risk for delisting, which is a great idea, especially if you're having this issue with your publisher. But also note, they released it earlier this year, it was self-published. That was the signal to Focus Home all along that this was going to happen. And so Focus Home has been deciding on what to do with it for a number of months. And you actually see that they tried to get this talked about with Focus Home in May of this year, which I think mirrors when The Sinking City came out. And Focus Home didn't say anything until the week before, which, yes, is not exactly ideal for how you want to act if you're a publisher. Uh, but again, I'm not sure that that necessarily is bad faith in this context. A lot would depend on what the language of the contract itself says. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you like this video, please like, please subscribe to this channel. We are talking about these kinds of things all the time. Otherwise, if you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it on podcasts, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.